Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Progressive is proud to honor our veterans by donating vehicles to move their lives forward, especially in times of need. This year celebrates eight years and more than 750 vehicles donated. Learn more about their Keys to Progress program and plans for 2020 at keystoprogress.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in here to Murph's Fan Cave for another RFR conversation with one of our listener favorites, the one and only Pete Koch. Pete Koch, uh, you can find him at Pete Koch, P-E-T-E-K-O-C-H on Instagram. And of course, you know Pete from a, a long history in the NFL, starting off in 1984 when he was drafted overall, number 16th out of the University of Maryland, and then uh, concluded his career, of course, in Oakland, or excuse me, not in Oakland, Los Angeles in, uh, in 1989 with the Raiders, and then also went on to a successful movie career and entertainment career, not only movies, but television shows and commercials, was in the movie Heat, Johnny B. Good, Lover Boy, Conspiracy Theory, and uh, most famously, of course, he was the Swede in Heartbreak Ridge with uh, Clint Eastwood. So welcome back to Murph's Fan Cave and Raiders Fan Radio, the one and only Pete Koch. <laughs> well, that's quite an introduction, uh, Murph. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, good to be with you. Good, good to have you back. And, you know, we were talking just a little bit before we got started about how we would always have you on around this time of year to talk a little bit about not only what you thought about the Raiders, of course, and where the team was going and what they'd done in the offseason, but uh, your firsthand experience going to Alumni Weekend. And with all that stuff being canceled and everything being restricted down to COVID, have you had any any preseason experience or any any exposure to the team, or are you just kind of like the rest of us all on, on quarantine? You know, I've got my handful of, uh, you know, Raider uh, buddies that I stay in touch with. Uh, and, and, and most of these guys, you know, I, I look forward to, to seeing at the Raiders weekend, which was, which was uh, you know, sadly canceled. You know, 2020 has been, I think, largely the year of, of cancellation. Uh, and that one of the great exceptions is, you know, we're seeing a great exception is we're going to get some – playoff major league baseball and and playoff nba and uh, and boy fingers crossed it looks like we're gonna get an entire nfl season and, and if there's 
in my judgment, you know, that's like a saving grace for uh, 2020, which has just been such a tough year for uh, so many folks, not only in the United States, but around the world. But yeah, no, to answer your question. So, um, you know, who some of the guys I stay in touch with and I'll mention uh, is uh, uh, Steve Wright, the uh, the guard tackle that was uh, shoot Steve Wright. The, the, he you know, had a beautiful, long uh, NFL career and uh, spent uh, half his career, I think, with the Cowboys and then half his career with the with the Raiders and I, and I stay in touch with Steve. He was, uh, he, he and I were roomies in, uh, in training camp back in the, in the, in the old days with the Los Angeles Raiders when we had held training camp in uh, Oxnard, a uh, beautiful little town, not far from the Pacific ocean, uh, about halfway between Los Angeles and, and Santa Barbara. And so back in those days, so Steve, Wright, And then uh, another offensive lineman, uh, buddy of mine, uh, Steve Wisniewski, big whiz. And uh, stay in touch with Wiz, and he's doing great. And uh, he looks like he can play. I mean, <laughs> Steve has lost some weight; he's gotten trim and trimmed down a bit, like me. But Steve, uh, Steve is uh, on that short list of, um, in my judgment, of players across the the spectrum of the NFL. It's on a very short list of guys that are uh, should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but uh, hadn't gotten. Uh, kind of yeah, I think he's gonna have to wait in in line a little bit longer um but uh big whiz is do, is doing good so yeah it's, uh, and Willie Gal- Willie Galt is a guy I used to see at the gym three four times a week but they've got all the gyms closed down here in Los Angeles which I think is a shame um but uh and you know one of these days we'll get back to normal so you you know some of those relationships were uh my gym buddies and, and Willie Galt was definitely one of those guys I'll see him again uh, you mentioned Wiz looks like he could still play. Of course, Pete, you do as well and have for a, a long, long time. Uh, really never lost your physique after your your, your playing career because that's a big uh, a big part of your life and has been. And that's one of the reasons, too, why we wanted to have you back on the show is that, you know, with, with fitness and wellness and you, frankly, being such an expert in that field, how has it been during the quarantine? You mentioned the gyms are closed for those that are new to your Instagram, you know, that, that, that aren't seeing what you're, what you're doing with your workouts, uh, week in, week out. Like what is, what is that like for, for you and for someone that's had such a focus on that? What's, what's that been like? And then, and then I want to have a follow-up to that is what is it going to be like for the players? And what do you think that they're going through in terms of their off season conditioning? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, so as a longtime fitness professional, and I've I've I've, I've long maintained physical fitness, uh, particularly as you age, but really at any stage of of your life, is inc- an incredibly important feature to your overall health. So you know, and one of the people that's had an influence, you know, in, in my life, and I've been blessed to have so many great uh, mentors when it came to physical fitness. Just to give you a, one quick point, like when I was that football player, the only reason uh, that I, you know, attained the level of success that I did was because I was, I became fanatical about my preparation in the weight room. And not understanding, I, I was able to understand very early on, going back to high school, that that preparation in the weight room, in the offseason, very importantly, the, the, the strength training that goes on during the season when you're in high school, college, and the NFL is, is, uh, is exceptionally important, but it's, it's much more of uh, maintaining where you're at. And another part of the, the strength training that's so important is it acts as a, 
it actually is really like a prophylactics to injury. Understand that if you if a if a typical NFL uh, football player would stop strength training and just show up, go to go to the meetings, go to practice, and then go home, and then play the game on Sunday, the injury rate would go way up. And a lot of people don't really understand that. So strength training uh, is very very important to keeping the guys healthy. And I was just one of those guys that. Uh, adapted to, I was very, very skinny in high school. And I knew right away that I, I needed to get it said in my mind that I was going to be, uh, me in, in the weight room, we're going to be uh, partners. We're going to be in a partnership. Uh, I was very fortunate. I had a, a coach in high school uh, that uh, was, a, he played his foot, his college football uh, at the Naval Academy. His name is John Kalo. And John Kalo to give you a historical perspective, was Roger Staubach's center at the Naval Academy. Of course, Roger Staubach. Oh, okay. Uh, even before Roger Staubach won the Super Bowl with the with the, uh, with the Cowboys, he was he won the Outland Trophy, um, the Outland Trophy, the Heisman Trophy, I should say, with uh, as a quarterback when he was at the Naval Academy. John Kalo and him were very very close there. John Kalo didn't play in the NFL, but he. But he, uh, but as as fate would have it, he be uh, he was a, a, a high school uh, a gym coach, and he was also he was also my driver's ed coach back in the day. I think where uh, about everybody's driver driver when you did driver ed in high school, you know that was usually your, your PE coach. And uh, but he was uh, he was had a, John Cale had a great influence on me, and he said to me, Pete, you've got enormous potential. This is when I was. 14 years old, and I was playing on a freshman football team. I went to a combined junior-senior high, so we, we were all in there together, 7th through 12. And uh, he says to me, and I, I was in awe of him that the varsity coach was talking to me, and he says, you've got a lot of potential. You've got things that we can't teach you. You've got height. You've got speed. You've got quickness, and you have a great love. I can see the passion you've got for playing football. You don't mind the contact that comes to you naturally. And, and he was exactly right on all those points, but he said, you're weak. And that's playing the language. Nobody wow. ever, nobody at any age, at any time in anybody's life, male or female, nobody wants you to, to look you and I know nobody, uh, a person uh, in a position of authority to say to you, Hey, you're weak. And he said that to me and he goes, but it's fixable. And you fix it by hitting the weight room. And we had a uh, we had the proverbial uh, beat down. Uh, this is in the seventies. Uh, beat up, uh, bare bones weight room in the basement boiler room of the high school. I, I grew up on Long Island, and um, and there it started for me, and it changed my life. And I've always had a, an interest. Then I started reading the uh, the bodybuilding magazines. Um, and, and I became a fan of bodybuilding. Uh, and then I, as I went to college, I learned that the way bodybuilders train and the way uh, uh, football players, in my, in my case, a defensive end should train, were, were, were different. And, uh, but you know, there was similarities there, of course, but they were different. And I learned a, a great deal from the outstanding uh, uh, strength and conditioning coach we had at the University of Maryland at that time named Frank Costello. And uh, and then from there, I went to the NFL and I kept on learning and building. And then I, I left uh, the game with the incredible passion uh, for maintaining uh, the things that I learned and a thirst for uh, how I could not only uh, I was not really interested in, in, in getting into strength coaching at the at the level of, of working with football players or athletes. But I was, I, I was much more 
uh, interested in working with the general population. And this was a way I subsidized, you know, my acting career, uh, quite frankly. So a lot of actors take a side job as a bartender or a waiter. And in my case, it was being a trainer. And, uh, and I still do that uh, to this day. And I work with people and I'm passionate about helping people. And it's never been uh, the two sides of the coin. Interestingly, it's never been more important and it's never been more challenging to stay physically fit as it is during this, this COVID situation. And here we are in 2020. That's the reality of it. Uh, statistically speaking, the numbers are coming out. People are increasingly gaining weight, working out less and getting sicker here in the United States. Uh, and that's a, that's a tragedy. And I'm, you know, trying in my in my own way through social media to reach out to people and and to help them. Wow, that's awesome. And, and you know, I am, um, you know, you in, from the first time that we spoke, you know, you influenced my own fitness journey. And I've, uh, you know, over the past really couple years, three years, you know, I've lost some weight, started adding some muscle and really been putting in work, not only into, uh, you know, maintaining a proper diet, but getting into the gym. And it really had a had a big impact on me. I mean, I'm of a particular age now. I'm almost, you know, I'm a few years from 50. And and uh, something that you said was no one, when they get to be elderly or, or older in life, wishes that they would have done more cardio when they can't get off the toilet. And that really resonated with me, that importance of being strong and the importance of strength. Speak a little bit to, to the listening audience out there about the importance of what does strength training do for us and our immunities and the things that during a time like this, during a pandemic, what are the things that we can do to benefit our bodies, not just in, in, in purely just the strength aspect of it, but the other health benefits of it? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. And, you know, when it comes to physical fitness, uh, we live in, uh, well, beyond the world of physical fitness, we live in a world of specialization. It was only a hundred years ago that if, uh, uh, if uh, you had uh, a problem with your stomach, you had a problem with your eye, you had a problem with your teeth, you had a broken bone uh, or, or a heart condition, you went to one doctor and he took care of you. He was doing all that stuff. It wasn't even that long ago. But this in the day of specialization, you know, you could pick one little small area. You could say you have a, 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 a an orthopedic problem, it could be you might go to one orthopedic specialist for your knee, but another guy that all he all he does uh, is ankles. And another person, all they do is 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 deal orthopedic problems of the cervical of the of the spine. Uh, it's so very highly specialized now. Certainly, you have an eye doctor separate from your ear, nose, and throat doctor separate from, and it goes on and on and on. When it comes to physical fitness, it, it's become and strength training. It's become very much that way too. So there's there's uh, strength coaches that specialize all over the country in things like tennis, you know, preparing uh, young teenage athletes to uh, advance their uh, ability uh, in the sport of tennis. And they just specialize in that. Others, gymnastics, others, distance training, uh, distance running or, or tri triathlete has its own sort of uh, a culture of, of trainers. And certainly football and the power sports um, have those trainers that are specifically qualified for that. I, on the other hand, am a proud generalist. I think I can help and I know I can help people all over the place. And if you wanted to really drill down because, you know, you had a, you had a son or daughter that was, you know, an adolescent and that uh, 
really wanted to excel in one very, very specific area. Uh, you know, like I said, tennis would be a perfect example. Uh, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I don't live, breathe and sleep, uh, uh, tennis and understand something. Uh, when, when, when youth, it's worth mentioning that youth athletes should have a broad, uh, approach. I think a better example, what would be to say by the time, you get out of high school, then you really need to start to specialize. So if you went and you watched the tennis players at the university level, they, they should have some pretty specialized training and it should be uh, separate and distinct from the training, uh, a female tennis player, that training should be separate and distinct from, for example, a, a female shot putter it should be quite different. Uh, and, and that's what, that's where it gets highly specialized, particularly as we get older and the way that Serena Williams would, would, would go about her strength training would be, uh, very, uh, much tailored to exactly what he's, she's accomplishing on the tennis court. But me, I deal with the general population and there's no need for specialization. In fact, specialization will work against you. So I want to help people globally get generally more physically fit and stronger to that point. Um, trainers consider all the uh, the systems of the human body and we but we focus on on the skeletal muscles we focus on the bones the, what what a muscle skeletal muscles do they they pull muscles into position so that we can walk and we can push and bend and and squat and do all these these uh these things and then what really makes that work the signaling comes from the the brain the central nervous system defined as uh, the brain and the nerves that, that innervate the muscles. So I'm really concerned with those those uh, subsystems of the human body. And then just putting all that gobbledygook aside and getting people excited about the fact that we're going to exercise. It'll be strength-centric, uh, and I'll tell you why in a second, and, and just to make you move, to help you control your weight. 74% of the population, the adult population of the United States is overweight. It's no good. So we live in the, in, the in, in my opinion, the greatest country on earth the, with the greatest technology. I don't care what anybody says. I, I, I got in this little back and forth on a social media thing where this guy's a, apparently a, like a nurse practitioner or something. And I said, we live in a country, I'd made a statement where we have probably the greatest medical advances, technological advances. This is where this is the, where Microsoft came from. This is where Apple comes from, uh, uh, come from. And his, he challenged me on that. And he says, well, we rank something like 46th or something or hit some statistic in the world in medical, I, I don't know, issues or, or something like this. And, and I, I said, OK, just here's, I mean, I accept your challenge. So if you or your loved one your your spouse or children were very very ill where would you go because people <laughs> from all over the world are coming here coming here that's exactly right yeah so he 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 dodged the, he didn't answer the question he, he he dodged it so so but that's how i feel about this country it's an amazing it's an amazing country i love this country to death and um and yet we do have a problem with a, a big percentage of the population and it's uh being overweight and all the problems understand the consequence of being overweight uh and then it's and and then you know so again 72 percent of the population is overweight 42 percent is 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 clinically obese we, you know clinically understanding that if we we if a, if a doctor measured this in a clinical setting in, in an office in a, in a doctor's office 42 percent are, are obese and all of the disease the metabolic disease for heart disease 
being obese, uh, even being o- overweight, but forget that for a second. Just be, being obese is going to con- is going to, in and by itself, act as a contributing factor to a host of diseases, cancers, heart disease, things that could lead to um, stroke, many different kinds of cancer. And and sometimes that's confusing. I, I think I can help people understand this why. I understand something. When we think of, uh, it's it's not unreasonable to think of uh, adipose tissue the these are adipocytes so these this is the name for for fat cells that we have in our body okay wouldn't be unreasonable to think about if you looked at a steak big big t-bone steak and you saw that it hadn't been trimmed yet you would see uh it was rimmed with white so the meat is red it's uncooked and red and and there's this fat uh that that borders it and that that is truly so understand that's uh so what is a steak steak is the muscle tissue of a cow make no mistake about it that's muscle tissue and that white stuff is the adipose tissue is the fat tissue of the cow so and that's not in cows a cows a mammal it's not entirely different than than our species when it comes to that so think of that as a second but when we think of it we often think well that you just cut that fat away and just, you know whatever it's, it's it's grizzly it's you know you just throw that and it's it's like it's like dead anyway but it's not dead but it's it's not it but fat t- adipose tissue fat tissue in a living person is biologically active that's to say that it's producing things and the things that it produces and excretes into the rest of the body hormones in, among them uh or most of them are bad most oh. of them are bad force yeah so so imagine that the the fat that you carry around on your body as being billions of tiny little factories that aren't just sitting there going along for the ride they're actually little factories producing things that are harming the rest of your body wow so all of that is going to really then compromise your overall health and immunities and everything else and would essentially make you susceptible to all kinds of things let alone covid exactly a host of diseases and and if it doesn't and it could it could it could directly uh, contribute to things like uh, 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 um, colon cancer, stomach cancer. When people carry a lot of uh, fat in the midsection, we, we see it from the outside, but we what you, and we call that visceral fat. But but uh, I'm sorry, we call that the, the subcutaneous fat. That's fat below the skin. So that's that's in between the skin and your your layer of muscle in between there. And you know, if somebody has a belly or they have the this kind of saddlebags. We can sort of obviously see that that subcutaneous fat. It literally means under, under the the surface of the tissue. But there's another kind of fat called visceral fat. And the viscera, if we thought of, we say the viscera is, hey, that's 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 the compartment where your internal organs are, right? So there's all kinds of stuff going on. You got your pancreas, your liver, kidneys that are contained, you know, below your lungs. The the that that area is compartmentalized. Uh, and separated by your diaphragm muscle, the muscle that, that helps your your lungs take uh, mechanically take the air in and out. So the your lungs are separated from your 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 stomach in that compartment where you inter- where your uh, 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 descending colon, your pancreas, and all that are located. That they're separated by the diaphragm muscle, and that area is uh, if you are gaining fat. In that area, and it, the, the fat cells literally grow uh, and attach and go grow all around the internal organs. There, it's called visceral fat in that visceral compartment. And just imagine that these little factories there 
are, are producing, again, things that, that are no good for us. And, they're, and in the, they're in, it's all about proximity. And your stomach is right there. And your colon is right there. Uh, small intestine, large intestine. And then you say, well, uh, and then you wonder why there's a greater incidence of people that are obese of having colon cancer. It's right there. Now, now it's sort of, now be, I hope it's, it's easier to understand how that. Yeah that could possibly happen. Yeah. So that, wow. that fat, that visceral fat is a more sinister location of fat than the subcutaneous fat, which you might have on your legs or the back of your arm. Well, that's, you know, one of the things I thought about when I, again, when I started this fitness journey is I thought about like, you know, it's not about looking good in a t-shirt. It's about getting healthy and all those points that, uh, th- that you mentioned there are just fascinating to me. And I, and I, then I, uh, and I trust that our listeners are, uh, are going to get something from it, you know, as well, and hopefully find motivation in it, Pete. And what would you say to, you know, especially during these times, I mean, this would be a question I would ask you normally, but let alone where you mentioned that so many people are on quarantine and they're being in their, they're stuck in their homes or at least limited in terms of their routines and accessibility to gyms. What do you, what do you say to the, to the men or women that are, you know, that just need to get that first step? Like what's that, what's that first motivating step look like, or what, what advice would you give to someone that, you know, in terms of just what can they do? Is it, is it something as simple as getting out and taking a walk or what, what would you recommend? Good. So let me just, uh, let me just uh, set this up by saying this number one, 90 Nine percent of us in the population right now are are at no particular risk from again the statistics on this COVID uh, are, are being so convoluted and, and so misused. Amen. So it, I'm spending I'm doing a lot of research and listening to a lot of the smartest doctors out there. Uh, I'm not uh, uh, making any um, decisions with patients, and that's the domain of, of medical doctors, and I'm good at staying in my lane, but that doesn't mean I'm, I can't think critically about what's going on here. So 90% of the population is safe, and, and they should take reasonable precaution, but exercise uh, is, is so important to the, the total equation. We know this as well as, as anything, is that the people that are truly at risk, and let me just define something. It doesn't matter how many people this many people in the state or this city uh, tested positive because what's happening, this, this, these, these numbers are getting so uh, confusing to people. You're hearing things like tested positive, got COVID, was a positive test, got sick, used interchangeably. They all mean different things. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. 50% of the population, maybe more will, will get the, uh, the COVID acquire, acquire the COVID to their system and, and never know it. And I might be one of them. I don't know. And, uh, and, but it's a whole, whole bunch of people. Well, here's what matters. Two categories. How many people get hospitalized? Why? Because that puts a burden on the medical system that we have to be very, very uh, alert to. Number two, obviously, how many people die? Uh, huge numbers of people have died in the uh, assisted living home. So let's just be clear. When I'm talking about an old age retirement village, where lots is a golf course and this and that. We're talking about an assisted living home. What does it mean to live? You need to assistance. Let me let me talk in straight in plain language. For most of these people, it means they can't get off the toilet. When you can't wipe yourself, you need an assist. You can't live alone. That's simple. That's it. What's the average life expectancy? And I heard this from a medical doctor, associate of mine. So uh, just a guy I listen to and pay a lot of attention to. He made a very interesting point. What's the average life expectancy? Forget you some pre-COVID, just the way it's always been. What's the average life expectancy of somebody 
that goes into an assisted living home. It's six months. So we're understanding it's we're at the end. And you know something? My mother went to an assisted living home and she died a few months later. She had a stroke. She survived the stroke, but she was never, never the same, not even close, not healthy. And that's what happened to her. And that's what happens all the time. And so these, this, this, so if that person goes to an assisted living home and they die and then they gave them a test in, in the autopsy and they say, oh, they had COVID, what'd they die of? You know, it's very difficult to tether all these things apart. And I don't think anybody's done a good job of it. So I'm not, here's the numbers that are important. So if, if you're in a high risk category, we all know what they are. Uh, it has more to do with your metabolic age than your chronological age. If you have, if, if, and this is going to be very interesting, there's no exacting numbers on this, but I, I say, if you took somebody standing next to each other, one was 40 and one was 80. I got a buddy who's 86 on zero medications, lifelong bodybuilder, one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's early training partners, uh, a guy named Chuck Mahoney, 80, 86 years old, fit as could be, sharp as a tack. And, and I know, and I got a buddy who's 46, who's 100 pounds overweight, type 2 diabetes, major risk factor on both accounts. I would say, Chuck, is yeah everybody should, should take the precaution necessary but i'm saying that the 46 year old with type 2 diabetes who's 100 pounds overweight is is at greater risk of dying should they get covid than an 86 year old buddy of mine named chuck and because of their chronological age is one thing but their metabolic ages is completely different and these are the things we need to consider about uh, as a society and nobody in, in the in a political spectrum is mentioning this because of I don't know. The only thing I can come up with is if somebody points out that uh, this percentage of people that are obese and understand obesity and type two diabetes are connected at the hip. That's why there's a term called diabetes. And uh, and so and, but but nobody in politics or even I don't get this. Why? Why even the medical doctors that we see paraded around on TV, they won't address the subject. I think it's because people don't want to be accused of fat shaming. But uh, obesity isn't fat shaming. Obesity is a clinical reference to categorize somebody no different than saying this person has type two lung, you know, whatever, uh, small, small cell uh, lung cancer, which is what a friend of mine died of. So I just happen to unfortunately have that that number. It's a clinical it's a clinical name. And so without put it in. So with people are afraid to put a clinical name with the with the best and the brightest medical in the medical community. So many, not all, but some are afraid to, to put the name on it. Uh, a lot of people are, are scared to death. People that are metabolically that are that are metabolically young as well as chronologically young have nothing to worry about, next to nothing. Uh, I heard a statistic that uh, you had to do was a, if you're college age, you have a greater uh, statistically greater chance to die in a car accident than you would yeah. die of 2019. Right. So I don't know any parents that are keeping their kid at home. From going to college because they're saying, no, I'm not going to let you go to college. I'm afraid you're going to die in a car wreck. I haven't hurt, met that person yet. And hopefully I won't because that's not rational thinking. You know, you, there's, no, there's no way to go through life. So I just want to encourage people that, 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 you know, if you're listening to this and you've got, and you know what they are, if you've got a pre-existing condition that's uh, type 2 diabetes, that's uh, respiratory disease, COPD, asthma, go down that list. If that's you. Stay home. Talk to your doctor before you make any decisions about exercise and where you should be doing that. For 99% of the population, I'm saying you got to figure out how to exercise by hook or crook. If your gyms are closed in your area, 
like they are mostly here in, in Los Angeles, then you're going to have to figure out other ways to get things done. Right? Get some equipment at home. Uh, if you follow me uh, on social media, I've got ideas. I'm working out most all the time for the last five months outside in a park with some bands and three sets of dumbbells. If I can do it, why can't you? Yeah, it takes a little bit of a, your imagination. Uh, it takes a little bit of, you know, thinking uh, in a way that you're, you're not normally accustomed to. If you're the type of person that normally drove to the gym and took a group exercise class where somebody stands in front and they teach you, you know, you're stepping on the box and the music is going and you're getting instructed. I understand that's it's difficult to go from that to try to figure it out on your own. But that's where we're at. Um, I'm not the only, you know, fitness you know, influencer out there, find somebody uh, that you can relate to. Maybe it's a woman that, that trains in, in a certain way uh, that you relate to. Do it. There's just, there's just no other getting, there's no other way to phrase it. You just, you just got to do it. And in this day and age with so much free information available to people on social media, there's really not an excuse to say, I, I, can, I can follow this workout. I can do this. Get an app. Um, I do my, my humble little way of giving back, as you guys know, I call it making you better 30 seconds at a time. And I just give out free information. It's always free, uh, when it comes to physical fitness. So I've been blessed to have so many great mentors. I've done a lot of hard studying myself. I keep up with fitness trends, best practices. Nobody's perfect. But the way I talk about fitness today, uh, physical fitness today, I think will benefit most, most all people out there. And um, you just have to stay moving. And by the way, to your, I think your original question was, what if you're sedentary? And there's lots of folks that reach out to me and are like, I'm not moving. I'm not moving right now. And I know it's not good for me. And it don't feel very good. And, and you're exactly right, Murph. You just got to start moving. What does that mean? That means that at the minimum, I, I, I know it's weird how Americans are sort of in some respects, we, we're the greatest achievers, build the, big, big, the biggest businesses. But there's also another part of, of human nature that says, what's the minimum? Right. What's the lowest? Yeah. Right. So I'll give you the lowest walk for an hour a day, every day. But what about it taking a day off? Why? You take a day off from brushing your teeth? You take a day off from the shower? <laughs> Why? Why do you brush your teeth? You like your teeth. You want them in your head. And why do you take a shower? Because you want your body clean. You know that that's important to your your, your overall hygiene. Um, back in the old days, there there used to be a thing called they used to call work, what we called physical fitness working out every day. A uh, hundred years ago, hundred fifty years ago in the United States, they used to call it physical hygiene. So I mean, this what oh. happens. I took a class in college. Uh, it was the history of physical fitness. I <laughs> loved it. Anyway, it was how, how do we arrive at the current you know, way that we go about our physical fitness in this country? And, and by the way, how they do it in Europe, there's a Swedish system, a German system, a, uh, a British system, all these things, right? So go, this goes back. Exercising every day goes back 2,500 years to the Greeks. I mean, you, you read, the old, read the old Stoics. They talked about the importance of physical fitness back then. What the hell happened is people have gotten so far away from it. I'm here to say... We're still we're still the same species with the same requirements. We need physical fitness. It's part of hygiene is, is the way we take care of ourselves. We've, we've oral hygiene with a toothbrush and floss, and we've got physical hygiene. That's when we exercise. We do got to do it every day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Great advice. And yeah, Raider Nation, get up, get out there, get moving, man. It's it's so important. And 
Pete mentioned his social media. It's at Pete Koch, P-E-T-E-K-O-C-H. And those Instagram videos are great. They can be excellent motivators for you. You'll see that he is. He's being creative out there, always getting those workouts in and, and definitely uh, take him up on that and, and, and appreciate that advice and all those words, Pete. It's great stuff. And hey, I, I want to be sensitive to your time, but I, I do want to talk to you a little bit about, about the Raiders a little bit. And, and I want to hit you with a question that I think is right in your wheel. I know it's right in your wheelhouse. You know, the Raiders drafted last year Max Crosby, and coming out of Eastern Michigan, one of the things that he was told was he's got to get stronger. You know, he's a big, lanky guy, plays defensive end, same position you played, and, and he was told he needed to get stronger, and yet he still posted 10 sacks last year and was, frankly, on the short list of, of Rookie of the Year. Now that this, so he's got another season under his belt, another off season, and I don't know how much muscle he's put on, but you, he's visibly you could see that the guy has put on weight and he's put on good weight. What is the application of that? What is that? He's already got this productive rookie season under his belt. What is the additional strength and muscle? What tools does that give him? How does that how does that translate to better on field performance? Well, I'll be the first to tell you that adding. I love I love the way this guy Max plays, and I really enjoy him. In a uh, you know he's you know in a way he reminds me of a of a taller Howie Long, but he's very much got his own style, and and the way he attacks uh, the offensive line is 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 fantastic. And I'm gonna I want to be clear that my my first reaction to your question, which is really a great question, and it really. Uh, lights up the part of my brain that thinks as a strength and conditioning coach, but also thinks as a guy that was there. I made all those mistakes. I, there's plenty of mistakes to be made in in the weight room. Um, I think that the the the, the, the strength and conditioning coaches in the NFL. This is 35 years after I played. I think they they know more. They're better uh, because just because you get stronger, if you measurably stronger. Hey, you came into you know, training camp last year and, and you bench pressed this much, you squatted this much and whatever, however you want to, me- you want to measure that. But it, but these are, but these are, you know, sort of, uh, undisputable measure, uh, measurements of your strength and to call oh, in the, the scales and everything. And, and then testing your body fat as a percentage that would, in, that would give it, an, I don't know if the Raiders do that, but that would give an indication of, Hey, did you gain fat or did you gain muscle or how much of this or that? And, uh, but just, to say we need you to lift more weights as as a as a general statement uh, is a slippery slope because what happens if you're the strength coach and that's your that's your edict and by the way if I was the B line coach and if I was the head coach I'd want to be in on that conversation but I don't know how they do it with the Raiders I mean that's unique to every organization but if the strength coach says hey well, here's what we want or we want you to gain you know, 10 pounds of muscle, or we'd like to see your, you know, if you're bench press, you know, I don't know what the guy bench presses, but if, if you could just increase your bench press by 50 pounds, because we, we, we know some of the guys that are going to the pro bowl, you know, they can all bench, you know, 450 pounds and you can only bench press 375. I don't know. The conversation could go something like that. Okay. You need to be very, you need to be very careful because what if his production goes down? And you, you thought you had a great, I mean, how, how could you go wrong? You said, well, we want you to get stronger. We want you to eight, add 15 pounds of muscle. Well, I'm telling you, this guy's knocking on the door of the Pro Bowl now. And he's only played one year. I know how difficult my first year was in the NFL. I wasn't, I wasn't half the football player that guy was. Not half. 
So he's, he came out of the gate so strong. I'd be very, very careful. You don't want to do anything to disrupt the natural progression of an athlete of his level. He's 22, and now he's 23. You, you yeah. got to be very careful. It, it, you can really get somebody going. There's, I saw many guys that were really promising in college that were known as like Johnny Bench Press, and they never made it in the NFL. You don't want to be the next Johnny bench press. And then one other thing that goes along with that, and I said this earlier, that strength training combined with, with, with stretching or, or they do stretching in a little bit more sophisticated way. You're actively stretching, which is sort of active mobilization. Um, these things done correctly together can do the best job you could hope for of preventing an injury. Okay. And what if you said, look, we, we want you to do more strength training, and if you like, just think of it for one second, it's, you, your frame is only whatever size your frame is. I'm talking about big men, but whatever. And, but, 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 you know, just because two guys are both 6'6 six, six, doesn't mean their frame is the same size. Like, I, you know, there's right. a great example, you know, a great example, like for me, would, uh, would be uh, a guy I played, I'm trying to think of, uh, yeah, like there was a guy I played with in, in Kansas City named John Alt. He was a tackle. He went to f- five Pro Bowls. Uh, he was a first round draft pick tackle, terrific guy. He went, played at Iowa. And we're the same height. And I played my whole career uh, at about 275. And he, he did the whole, and he weighed 310. You know what? But, but his, like everything about John, we're about the same height, but everything else, by any measurement, the size of his, and the things you can't change. Forget, I'm not about his waist, or you could, you could build up your chest measurement. But I mean, his, look, you can't change your wrist. You can't change your ankle. And this guy was like one and a half times me in, in, those, in his bone size. So you have to sort of assess all these things and when you're trying to optimize, you know, what you can get out of that athlete. So that, that's the way, that's the long answer to a way that I would, I would uh, want to manage, a, especially an athlete who's this young, who's just so promising and he's on the launch pad. You know, six years into his career, conversation's different. But right okay. now, I'd make, I'd make small adjustments. Okay. Good deal. Well, well, he's, he is, he's exciting. I mean, we, you know, the, the Raiders need a pass rush desperately this year and, and uh, we look for, you know, Clee Farrell and, and also uh, Max Crosby, these two young studs we got to just really, really take over this year. I think we got a lot to look forward to and I, hopefully they, they've done that, that the, inc- the increments are small and that any of the things that they did with them to, to build that strength, you know, they're, they're translatable. Does that just, does that help you just what create separation with, from tackles or what, 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 what would be the desire yeah. of that for yeah. them? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really, to me, it, first up is playing the run. It's going to give you more. It's going to give you more of that power, you know, cause you're already lined up against a guy that a hundred times out of a hundred is bigger than you, right? That offensive tackle or for that matter, the guard. And I know he, I know he lines up over the guard too. So these guys in, so you got to say, they don't have to move as far. That offensive line, they can afford to be heavier, but they play with enormous power. And there's a certain point, like that's, that's where people say, sometimes people would say, they go, well, look, the quickest guy, the quickest, fastest guy on the team is a uh, is the defensive back, is a corner. Why not just line him up and make him a pass rusher? Well, just because he is, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a cornerback, quicker, off the ball, faster than, a, than, a, than Max. 
every yeah every one every corner in the league is is but they they, they don't they, they wouldn't be any any of any use because there's a combination there a combination being uh, an elite pass rusher where there's uh they the the cornerbacks the just don't have enough power so when when uh, the tackle engages you they boom you get stuffed you get stopped so there's that fine line between uh you know uh, max what he brings is this length the long arms the levers he's explosive off the ball and he also plays with enormous power and then somebody's saying well if he just had a little more power what if it was crazy power what if it was you know sort of like uh reggie white chris dolman massive just overwhelming max doesn't play with that level of power i mean these these guys are you know the giants of the game uh, or like greg townsend a guy you played with yeah you know, in Greg, different body type, right? Greg was only 6'3", but he was the best pass rusher on that Raiders team for, for many, many years. And he brought, like, his his skill set was playing it uh, for a smaller guy, but with he was so quick, so he had so much. His technique was absolutely awesome. And, uh, right, you know, I'm just comparing Max to kind of more. Oh, more six, body type. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So and you say what what you know what if we just had you know we build we tell the guy to build up and you know is uh, the first thing that comes to mind is he's gonna he's gonna do better against the run he's gonna play better against the run but there's there's you know I, I always felt that way there's that that my my job as a defensive end was to strike that balance between having enough strength and power to play the run well but there's only so much power that you you need to be a great pass rusher there, there's there's a really a quickness and a suddenness and a, and a, and a elusiveness that sometimes can run, run counter to your just going in the gym and being a bench press guy. So I think there's a real sweet spot okay. there. And that's part of the, of the art of finding your way uh, as an athlete. And then, uh, and having a good strength and conditioning coach that, that can help you manage those things and, you know, weighing yourself on a regular basis and understanding where you stand. That's awesome. That's great insight, Pete. I mean, you're the man. We that's, This is awesome. This is stuff that, uh, you know, good insight that, that Raider Nation just doesn't get. You know what I mean? Just, you, you've been through it. You I mean, you 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 know exactly what uh, what players like like Max and the other guys are going through. And uh, and so appreciate that and appreciate everything that you broke down for us today, man. So but before we let you uh, get out of here, what, what are you up to? What What's going on with you? I know we saw you on a bunch of uh, commercials this last year. I know everything with, with acting and that whole world is tending to be shut down with COVID, but I think things are starting to open up, if I'm not mistaken. So you got any, any current problems? projects you want to give us any hints to or, or what, what what's Pete Koch up to nowadays yeah a, a couple of things that I can't unfortunately speak to too much I will tell you that I shot a commercial uh, a month ago the business is 90 percent shut down and 10 percent open so I was fortunate enough to get in on a, a commercial for an insurance company that um, I don't know they, they never tell you when it's going to run it just starts showing someday so I hope folks get a kick out of that if they recognize me there um, and I, uh, I'm in, I'm, I'm working with a company and developing a, a piece of, uh, fitness equipment that, uh, oh, cool. that, that, uh, yeah, home fitness equipment that, um, we hope to take to market maybe, uh, maybe at the end of this year. So I'm excited about that. It's very, you know, sort of preliminary stages, but they brought me in as, uh, as a fitness, uh, you know, expert to, um, you know, kind of 
kind of give some input as to, you know, I might be, and I might be, I might be uh, representing the brand. So we'll see there, but I'm all about that because uh, I just, anything you can do to help people move, you know, in this day and age is, is good for everybody. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm working with another company, a little bit, a company that's, 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 uh, called, that's called, uh, Wrecked, and they're and they're associated with uh, the, the everyone sort of knows the Tough Mudder brand, the races, the, yeah. you know the 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 Tough Mudder, the orange you know headbands, and people go hundreds of them, and they climb over obstacle courses. And so I'm uh, I'm working at that that company, Tough Mudder, is spinning off a um, an an app which helps people find the right trainer uh, in their region somebody that's really credible and that's, and that can offer the type of training that they're interested in doing, which is, you know, it's, 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 it's needed. Right. So uh, some people want a one-to-one training environment and other people are like, Nope, I don't, I'm not even comfortable with one-to-one training, but what I'd like to do is, is get to my gym is closed, but get to the park. And if there's like a boot camp type of training where I could get out there and run around with some people, because that's one of the first things I always tell people, if you feel like you're unmotivated to even be doing much of anything at all, uh, find somebody to help you do it. And that can be yeah. in the form of your spouse. That could be a friend. If you don't have a training partner, it's more difficult. Um, but it can be, it can be, uh, it can be, a, a, you know, finding a personal trainer, but it could also be joining uh, a small group. Small groups are typically uh, defined as between uh, three and six people working together or a bigger group, like a boot camp group where you can meet people at the park. It's relatively inexpensive. And you know what? You, you're all in this thing together. So you're moving. So I encourage people to find a way. There's no excuse. It's finding and not one, not, not any one is better than the other. Uh, the, the, the most important thing is you look after yourself, the people that you are responsible to in your life, be responsible to that uh, personal commitment to personal excellence and anything I can do to help people connect and get moving. I'm glad to do it. That's what I'm about. Pete, I can't thank you again enough. I know Raider Nation loves to hear from you every year. You're definitely one of our listener favorites. We always get such amazing feedback uh, whenever you join us on the show, and you've provided some incredible insight today, not only around COVID, but uh, and the the effects in the body and fitness and, gosh, everything that you hit, and then and let alone the Raider content. So we, we really appreciate you, man. I can't thank you enough for your time today. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Go Raiders. Go Raiders. It's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. 
At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com.